0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 438 of the Juice Box Podcast. On today's show, we're going to hear an adult father who has type 1 diabetes himself look back on his younger self, his diagnosis, and how he got to where he is right now. Hey, everyone. Today, we're going to talk to Galen Galen is an adult who has type 1 diabetes, was diagnosed as a teen, and things didn't go great in the beginning, but they're going better now, and this is a very retrospective look back on that time. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. You may have heard about those Diabetes Pro Tip episodes that I have and Defining Diabetes episodes. If you're looking for them and it's hard to find them in a podcast player sometimes, you can check out DiabetesProTip.com. That's my website where they're all sort of collected together and you can get a good feeling for where they're at. Now, if you want to go back in your app after that and listen, once you know what episode number you're looking for, it's cool. That'll definitely work. And those Defining Diabetes episodes, I love them. They're shorter episodes that give you a good, firm grasp of all the terminology that's used around diabetes. I hear very often from people who are newly diagnosed that it all just sounds like a foreign language to them. So those Defining Diabetes episodes are me and Jenny Smith talking through specific ideas, giving some examples, and getting you out of there so it doesn't take too long for you to grasp all the new words that exist in your life. Before we start, I just want to let you know that this episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. You can find out more about Arden's Meter at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. I'd also like it if you'd check out the T1D Exchange at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Last but not least, this show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, GVOKE HypoPen.
1: Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. I'm Galen Hensler. I am 32 years old. I've been type 1 diabetic for 15, almost 16 years now. Mm -hmm. So October 27th will be the day that I have had diabetes longer than I have not. Um, I live in Boise, Idaho with uh, my wife and two little kiddos. That's interesting, because your name makes it feel like you're from Sweden or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, uh, I was born in Berkeley, so I think that kind of explains the, the weird name. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like
0: to tell me about your hippie parents, or is <laughs> that enough?
1: <laughs> I think that covers it.
0: <laughs> That's low. Are they still uh, with us?
1: Uh, yeah, so my mom is actually a social work professor in Montana, so mm-hmm. she teaches at the University of Montana. Um, and then my dad is retired and living in Oregon. I just figured they were both protesting in the streets somewhere right now. Not, you know, I, <laughs> I think my mom would be, but uh, yeah, she's she's busy teaching. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, how did you end up in Iowa or uh, Idaho? Idaho.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, Boise. That, that was adoptive. No, 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 you're fine. I, I don't. <laughs> I know they're not both the same place. I just heard an yeah. I, and you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Idaho.
1: No, no, no. Um, so my wife and I actually moved out here about three years ago for the job. Um, or I guess my previous job here. So we were in Missoula, Montana. Um, I'd been there for about 10 years doing undergrad and then graduate school. And then we both graduated. I guess I graduated and looked for a job in, uh, Boise, Idaho was kind of where we ended up. And
0: at what function of getting us our baking potatoes are you involved in uh
1: you know i am involved in the marketing of the potatoes
0: are you seriously
1: no, oh, no. damn it <laughs> uh, no <laughs> i i i do work in marketing but not not on potatoes Not for potatoes potato chips yeah. there's got I mean it's something no i, I listen <laughs> what else is going on in idaho but school me a little bit um it's beautiful yeah. i would say that it's so I grew up in Salt Lake City before I moved to Montana, mm-hmm. um, and it's close enough to Salt Lake City where I can go and visit friends and family that are still there. Nice. But not so close that it's every weekend. Not and so then, close to the same thinking, thing. Come, f- come and exactly. visit you without saying. A hundred percent. And it's like in the middle of nowhere. So like nobody's just going to like pass through Boise. Mm. So I have a it, dream galen seriously
0: of living in the middle of nowhere i don't know if maybe a lot of people have that feeling of like i want to get away from everything yeah um but i i feel like if i didn't have children that i was trying to stay central to as they became adults (laughs) you know or maybe i'll get lucky and they'll just turn out to be you know jackasses and i won't want to be near them very much like yeah that would be this yeah that would be beautiful because then i would totally try to mimic harrison ford's life i'm you know, try to find some property that's a mile and a half from the mailbox. That kind of a thing. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's it, it. That's that seems really quiet to me. I worry about wild animals. Do you own a gun? Do you have to shoot things ever that come at your house?
1: No, you know, so we're actually in the city in Boise. So it's not it's not horrible. Um, I will say in Montana, um, my parents lived in Stevensville, which is like 30 minutes outside of Montana or Missoula on I think a few acres of land kind of in the middle of nowhere. So we did get like wild animals rolling around. Mm. Um, So I was never worried about it, but there was one day where I came outside and there were a a bear and a few cubs up in the tree. Um, And that did give me a, a bit of a, A reason to leave I I would have put myself in a box and FedEx myself out of there immediately. 100%. Like, I have
0: to go. I didn't realize there was a bear here. Why didn't someone tell me? And that would be the end of it. I'm sure it's not like that. I only have one experience with a bear. We were in um, a cabin situation out in California at Yosemite, and we were walking across from, I don't know, like a centralized eating area to back to the cabin, and there was just a bear walking through. And I Mm -hmm. recognized that the people who worked there did not seem to care and the like yeah. they weren't even aware of it it was it was you, you know it was like a squirrel was walking through i felt like you know it's and, odd yeah. yeah and i'm like packing it. my children and my wife into yep. a room I'm like the no one moves <laughs> <laughs> we stay here till the end we'll make a run for it to the car and get out here. <laughs> yeah
1: seriously nope
0: <laughs> anyway um okay so you, you've you've had type one for about half your life tell me about when you were diagnosed
1: yeah. you Um, so yeah, when I was diagnosed, uh, I was just turned 16, um, for like a few months before I was just like drinking a ton, uh, going up or like getting up in the middle of the night to pee, just like all the classic symptoms. Um, my, I have a stepbrother who's 11 days younger than me. So we're super close and he would always give me a hard time because I couldn't like see the TV. Mm -hmm. So like we'd be watching TV and I couldn't read like the score of the football game. Um, So all of the classic symptoms, Yeah, um, I was playing football at the time and I do, I still credit that to basically saving my life um, or at least making sure I didn't, uh, I I was diagnosed and my blood sugar was 990 um, and I credit kind of football every day with keeping that below a thousand is it um, just do you think the activity was holding it back yeah. as much as yep. it could
0: because you were really you were running towards DK. i'm assuming they told you you were in dk what what was yeah. the what was the final thing that happened couldn't lift your hands fell over what, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i was actually on a road trip with my mom and we were driving um and i couldn't read the road signs as we passed them mm-hmm. so we came home and she started doing some research and um I just I remember one day she picked me up from school and I got in the car and we drove to uh, basically like urgent care. I think it was. Yeah. And they tested my blood sugar. I um, just like one of their meters there and it was air or high. high I think it said high. Did you actually and the tell guy her, mom? I can't read the street signs. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And she was like, like we road tripped a lot when I was growing up. So like we were like really good with like we're getting in the car and we're driving to where we're going, even yeah. if it's like 12 hours away and we're not stopping. How many feminist out-
0: rallies have you been to? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I don't. Quite a few. Yeah, I was going to say I don't have any problem with it. I just <laughs> thinking maybe little Galen's been been in a couple of seas of people holding signs once or twice in his life. <laughs>
1: you know, it was actually dog shows, which isn't that far off oh from feminism God. rallies, but uh, yeah, like all over. But for the trips, this last trip, I just remember we'd stop like every hour so yeah. I could be. Um, so we got home. I think my mom did some research. Uh, I got into the car and she later told me that she was like, your breath smelt like, like fruit, mm. like you smelt so sweet. Um, so I remember we went to the urgent care uh, blood sugar was off the charts there. And they're like, you need to go to the ER. Um, my mom was actually working at the children's hospital in Salt Lake. So we went there um, and it was, like yeah. a few days before halloween and i just remember the one thing i'll never forget is the the nurse came in and was like you know eat whatever you want um this is the last time you're gonna be able to eat without taking insulin <laughs> so uh yeah i was in the <laughs> hospital for a couple of days and got trained and a lot of people get the
0: the last meal um yeah from from medical staff it's uh it's weird yeah yeah, yeah. would you like a? Like, uh, would you it's like a horrible sugar? last
1: meal, too. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Hi, anything at all you want from the hospital cafeteria? Exactly, is your last free yeah. meal of your lifetime. Yep. Did you want the Jello? <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. How do they screw the Jello up? By the way, that's fascinating. <laughs> but anyway. it probably
1: sits there for a couple weeks. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's bad.
0: Um, what's the what's it like being 16 and suddenly having everything about your life
1: change? Um it was hard. I, so I definitely went through a period of I'm not diabetic. Um so for like 6 months when I was like regularly seeing my endocrinologist, um I was like really good. And then probably around 17 and a half, like senior year of high school, I just kind of denied it. Um but for that first I I would say there's a lot as crappy as diabetes is i was lucky um like i said my mom worked at the hospital uh she's a social worker my stepdad's a social worker um i had a teacher who i was taking a class from that was type 1 diabetic um like my endocrinologist was my best friend's uncle Mm -hmm. so like these weird connections it just it made my life easier so, a
0: fair amount of support around you, but yet yeah. at some point you just deny having diabetes. I wonder what that looks like. What does it look like to just say, ah, this is not happening to me? Do you stop taking care of it? Or, yeah,
1: it's like stop testing, stop giving insulin. Um, at the time, I was on multiple daily injections and it was a, uh, I would say I would like take Lantus maybe, but not bolstering for food. Blood sugars are running, you know, probably in the high 200s, low 300s. And this went on for probably at least a couple months. Mm -hmm. Um, Just not, you know, It's I want to be a senior in high school. I don't want to be different. Um, Just let it go. You just let it go to do other things. Who
0: catches that and turns it back for you? Is it yourself or people around you? How does
1: that happen? It was... It was me and probably my mom. Um, Like my mom, I said, was a social worker. She worked at the children's hospital. Uh, She's been involved in, you know, just supporting people going through tough times Mm -hmm. for her career. Um, So So, so
0: it's not hidden. She's aware of your ambivalence at that point.
1: uh, It took a while. I would say that. Okay. Like she was not. I was 16, so I was obviously giving myself shots checking blood sugar myself, like all of that. But I think eventually it's like when your blood sugar is running at 250 for two weeks, like you're not functioning at 100%. Mm. And I I get really pissy when my blood sugar's high. Yeah. So I think she caught on, you know, after a while. And then when it didn't get better, she she stepped in. It's very interesting. I mean, I know you have children who are younger, but.
0: I was just speaking about this with a friend of mine the other day, actually Adam Nadelman, who's been on the show before. Mm. Um, And I said, it's this, you know, I was talking about my son. He's like, he's a good kid. And so I don't want to be up his ass all the time, you know? And at the same time, you're trying to stay involved, you know, so that you kind of know what's going on, but you don't feel like you're being pushy and he doesn't feel like he needs it. But at the same time, I'm sure there's a ton about him that I don't know. And, yeah. you know, like, so you're just trying to stay your interest. I mean, for me, I'm interested, right? Like, yeah. and, and I want to be involved. I don't yep. want him to feel like I'm pushing him or that he doesn't have a little room to figure things out on his own. And that's great in a normal scenario, but not if your blood sugar is 250 all the time. Like, you know, yeah. like, then you need somebody to go, hey, Galen, I was wondering, could you stop being an idiot and, you know, yeah. <laughs> start listening? Yep. But, but But you're not being an idiot, really. You're trying to give yourself space to do the other things that didn't feel I guess it didn't feel possible to do diabetes and live at the same time
1: is yeah, it yeah. was just yeah you know like I said I had a stepbrother the same age and we you know would go out and um it's like I want to be able to go like eat dinner with friends and not have to worry about running and checking my blood sugar or running to the bathroom and shooting up um so like it's easier just to sit there and have dinner and hang out and ignore
0: it so it was the it was the for you was it the actual process of having to test having to inject or did you not want anybody to see or did you not care Um, about that part
1: so i didn't really care about that part um like from as long as i remember i've never had a problem of like whipping out my needles and Mm -hmm. shooting myself in the arm um it's more of just taking a step back i remember when i was diagnosed they said it was a 60 second uh disease a day so like every day you're dealing with it for like 60 seconds um and i remember it became clear pretty quick that it's like there's no way this is 60 seconds <laughs> um it's like uh, you know i was trying to think this morning it's like i'm thinking about diabetes like every moment of the day mm mm-hmm. Um, it's just checking in on how I feel, checking my blood sugar, you know, am I going to eat in a couple minutes? Am I drinking coffee? Like what is, what's happening in my body? Mm -hmm. And that I think I just got burnt out really quick of, I don't want to have to think about what my blood sugar is doing. I don't want to have to think about giving insulin. Um, I don't want to have to count carbs. I don't want to have to worry about if I exercise, if my blood sugar is going low, like I just want to I just want to get back to normal life.
0: Was there any feeling that you, you know, you got lied to when they said it was a 60 second disease? Was there like, when that was told to you, you were like, Oh, that's not bad. Like, I'll just do this thing and then I'll be okay. And then you realize that's not the case. Do you feel like there was a bait and switch or do you remember? I
1: don't, I don't really feel like there is a bait and switch. I just feel like it's, you know, um, I think it's something that just doctors would tell people to, Make it less intimidating early on. Yeah, I always think they don't want you to drive off a bridge on the way home, so they're like, "Exactly, oh, wait, it won't
0: be bad. They'll probably yeah. cure it soon. Even you'll <laughs> be fine. Yeah, within yeah. five years, you'll be cured. Don't worry about it. Just a look, look, inject it into the banana. See how easy that was. That's what you'll. I do.
1: remember I had an orange. <laughs> Did you get an orange? It's I remember injecting into an orange. And but yeah, it's like they 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 make it seem like it's not a huge huge deal. Checking your blood sugar takes five seconds, Mm -hmm. you know, giving insulin takes 30 seconds to drop the insulin and shoot yourself in the arm. Yeah, But it's, there's, there's so much more to that, that I think people even without diabetes don't get, um, you know, so doctors that are trying to explain this to people just don't really understand unless you've been through it. So did you, for the lack of a better term, did you pull it together
0: before college or did this persist into college?
1: No, I was lucky. I kind of got, uh, my poop in a group. Before I went off to college um, and I kind of bounced around between graduating high school, uh, doing a semester in college in Logan, Utah, and then went back to Salt Lake, worked full time for a bit. And then um, when my parents went to Montana. I followed them up there and started school up there. You know what I'm doing right now while you're talking, right? I'm
0: writing down "poop in a group" as a possible title for the episode. <laughs> if, at, if at the end of this story you come out victorious, this one's going to be called "getting your poop in a group," and okay. it's your fault. Just so you know, I'll I'll
1: own it. That's I've never fun. heard anyone say that before,
0: <laughs> and I was my brain went "poop in a group." Oh my god, he means shit <laughs> together. This is fantastic, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then I grabbed for my pen. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> So you, <laughs> thank you so much. You guys are all your worst enemies, just so you know, when you're recording. It's the so podcast. true. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: but but that's fantastic. Is that a colloquialism that's local to you? Uh, no, it's me trying not to swear. So my daughter doesn't hear me and repeat it. <laughs> She's going to curse. Don't worry about it. You can't. Oh, bother. 100%. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I uh, Arden just asked me about coronavirus the other day. She goes, when the F are we getting out of this house? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, has it gotten to that point yet? She's like, I really need to get out of here. And I was like, all right, well. Uh, I said, yeah. sweetie, I'm not sure what's about to happen. I said, but we'll know. I, I think it's uh, mid-July or not quite mid-July right now. And um, yeah. there's as much of me that thinks that this is about to get worse. You know, so. Yeah. Yep. Like, oh, geez. Why don't we wait a little while longer? Find another corner of the house to stare at. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are, <laughs> you? Have, how old are your kids? Uh, I have a
1: three-year-old and a one-year-old.
0: Wow. Oh yeah that's kind of better at least i mean maybe not for you and your wife as much as them but <laughs> you know at least they're not like oh we never get out
1: of here <laughs> yeah and we we're lucky we live right behind a school and obviously the school's out so we can go over there and walk around and play in the field and nice uh get out of the house but yeah it's definitely it's been it's been a long lockdown yeah no kidding and you can't
0: walk through a potato field because it's all lumpy so yeah you got to go I find mean, somewhere else really yeah you don't want to yeah. make mashed potatoes and it's Idaho,
1: so it's Leaving the state really to find a field that's not growing potatoes. <laughs> I,
0: I don't imagine that it's not just border to border, just potatoes <laughs> everywhere. I don't know. Does, does Bruce Willis live there, or is he Iowa? I don't know. Damn it! Am I? Am I, I? I'll figure that out while you answer your next question. <laughs> 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 All right. So you're in college. You've got your stuff together. Yep. It's going pretty well. But I, I'm looking at your note here a little bit. Do you develop an eating disorder in college, or how does? What happened?
1: Yeah, so that was that was, um, I would say right when I moved to Montana, uh, I kind of got burned out again. This was probably less severe, um, but similar of like cutting down on insulin, and I just started basically running a lot. Okay, um, so I would, I was down to like one forty. So, I lost probably like 40 or 50 pounds. Wow. I'm just giving less insulin. Um, and this was like, I wouldn't say in high school when I got burned out, it was like basically no insulin. Um, when I moved to Montana, it was more of, I'm just going to run a lot and give insulin and try and keep my blood sugar. If I'm hitting 250, that's fine. Um, I just wanted to stay below 250. So, uh yeah, got it just wasn't it wasn't a a healthy time.
0: Gvoke HypoPen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is G-Voke HypoPen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. G-Voke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. How often do you think to yourself, huh? My A1C doesn't match what I'm getting with my blood glucose meter. Like The meters tell me one thing, but then I get my A1C done three months later and things aren't jiving. Or maybe you have a continuous glucose monitor and it says one thing and the meter says another thing and that just leaves you confused. I remember this happening with my daughter and it was not fun. Just these two different numbers and they left you feeling unsettled. But since Arden has moved to the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, I don't Live through that any longer, and Arden's A1Cs very closely match our expectations. My point is, is that technology gets better, and you should keep up, especially when it comes to your blood glucose meter, because you make so many important decisions based on that number. Head over to ContourNext.com/ juicebox. And you can learn all about the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. For instance, it uses test strips that offer second chance testing, meaning you could touch the blood, not get enough, go back and get some more, and still get an accurate test without wasting the strip. It's possible that you could be eligible for a free meter. It's possible that you could buy the meter in cash and it be cheaper than you buying it or another meter through your insurance. There's so much to find out and all the information you need is at contournext.com forward slash juicebox? There's links in the show notes for contour for GVOC and for the T1D exchange, because I'm going to ask you to head over there as well. T1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. If you're a caregiver or a type one who lives in the United States, you can add very simple data to what the T1D exchange is doing. They ask you these super simple questions about life with diabetes they're not long answers. I think it must have taken me about seven minutes to do the entire thing. I did it right from my phone. You can do it from your computer. It's easy. And this information helps the T1D Exchange to move things forward for people living with Type 1. I give you all the examples all the time, but they're there. Read about them at t1dexchange.org forward slash You could very easily make life for other Type 1s and yourself much better and support the podcast. All right, let's get back to the show. So you were purposefully manipulating the insulin to lose weight? Yeah. Did you feel like you had a weight issue? Yes. Um... Yeah. Were you like 190? Were you five, five? What are you, 5'5"? I am 6 foot. How are you? Uh, at 190, that seems like a good weight for me. No? um, It probably
1: was. Right. But it, it was more of... Yeah, just a it was a weird period, I would say. Um, moving to Montana, not really knowing anybody. Not really knowing what to do with myself. Um, this was early in my college days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just... Just kind of get things. in your own head. Do you think? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: That's, that's interesting. That really is interesting because you know, obviously, any kind of eating disorder is not. I don't think you know you you couldn't call it sensible. Like you're like, oh, I'm I'm at the perfect yeah. weight, but I'm just gonna lose <laughs> weight. You know, like so. I mean, obviously, that's that aside. It's just interesting to hear that you were at what I would consider, I mean, a reasonable weight for your height, and especially at your age. Yeah. Um were you just trying to make yourself? Uh, inhospitable to bear attack perhaps you're like maybe if i get small enough these things i'll think not worth the effort yeah not worth it if i just practice running i can get faster than them just outrun the bears so are you aware of it while it's happening are you like i i'm manipulating my insulin i this is not healthy hold on i think i lost you hello hello you say goodbye can i say hello 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 Uh, Scott, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Oh, no. No, Hold on a second. This is weird. I am going to...
1: Can you hear me? What? All right. Can you hear me now? I can hear you the whole time. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. What did you do? Uh, I think my speaker or my AirPods died. Oh, jeez, bummer.
0: I mean, when you can't count on two hundred and forty dollars small pieces of plastic, what do you have? Seriously, really? (laughs) I can't believe you didn't charge your AirPods for this. I, you know, I did, but I had a work meeting before. It hurts my feelings. Just so you know, (laughs) I'm so sorry. No, get yourself situated,
1: and we'll go back. Okay. Um, I think I have some other speakers. Let's see. This uh,
0: whole work from home thing is... Yeah. My dining room looks like what I imagine Kelly's office looks like, and it's not pleasant.
1: <laughs> you know, we. Uh, my wife is in graduate school right now, so we turned our walk-in closet in our apartment into our office. And uh, it is just hot mess. <laughs> Honey, get in the closet. This is where yeah, it's going to happen. Seriously. Just so you no, know. Every day, I just <laughs> come out of the closet. It'll be
0: an awakening for you every day at the end of the work. You'll be like, I'm free again. By the way, Bruce Willis just recently sold his $5.5 million Idaho ranch. It is beautiful. Jeez. I knew he lived in Idaho. See, because I, yeah, I, I think Dummy lives there still. And that's not... Again, I'm not being mean. I believe that's how she wants her name pronounced. Um, any of you who lived through the 80s and 90s will hear that joke <laughs> and no one else will understand that there was a time where Demi Moore ran around telling people her name was Demi. So um, <laughs> I'm I'm the only one that apparently is going to remember that. But for you old people out there, enjoy your giggle while Galen <laughs> gets his head set together. Um, while, and I figure out if Demi Moore lives in Idaho because I'm telling you she does. Oh, she does. Are you rich, Galen? Because Idaho houses seem very expensive. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. As a matter of fact, but yeah, yeah, I can. By the way, as a matter of fact, during the beginning of COVID, Bruce went to live with Demi and her family, and I think she's. Wait, what is this? Oh, and he got split from his current family to stay with Demi. Is it the scary accident behind Demi Moore and Bruce Willis's COVID nineteen quarantine? I'm not going to read that, but apparently Bruce Willis got st- got, got quarantined with his ex wife instead of his actual <laughs> wife. <laughs> There's photos of them here in matching pajamas, and oh, that's comfortable. Okay. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I'll be home as soon as Corona's over. I'm just hanging out with Demi. <laughs> This, seriously, no I wish this is the first time I found myself wishing I could take a phone call to like s- to see if somebody <laughs> goes. I remember when she wanted to be called Dummy; it was hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my gosh! Anyway, you're good. I'm good. All right, so uh, <laughs> that was a nice <laughs> interlude. Um, I'm leaving all that in, by the way. Okay. <laughs> While you couldn't That's hear funny. me, I was singing. It was terrific. Oh. Um, uh, so when you're consciously doing that and so you have you have the sort of you know intellectual uh, emotional you know ability to say i'm doing something that's not healthy for me to get this result yep um i mean that's a weird headspace to be
1: in is there any way you can explain how that feels um i think it's thinking long term versus thinking short term so uh you know having your blood sugar run at 250 isn't going to kill you tomorrow and i knew that and it was me thinking okay i you know i want to lose some weight i want to um you know just kind of deal with a little bit of burnout right now and not think about it as much um so let me let let my blood sugar run high a little bit yeah knowing that it's going to take you know i won't see the effects of this um or the major effects obviously there are some short-term effects. But, um, I'm not going to see the effects of it for a while, so it's okay to let it happen for a bit. So did you see
0: it looking back? Did you see it as a psychological issue? Like, was your, your appearance
1: was so important to you or that the idea that this needed Mm -hmm. to happen or you were just, no, I don't, I don't think it was ever like worrying about my appearance as much because really I was like, I had just moved to Montana. I was living basically in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, like didn't really see anybody except my family and then uh like friends in salt lake who like play video games and chat um it was just more of again just you know the burnout of not wanting to deal with it as much and um but I guess having other
0: i'm sorry Go ahead. no i was gonna say i guess the real fear ends up being that you could get stuck in that forever and and that burnout because then what the high blood sugars do to your kind of your ability to think about things, yeah. you could just get st- stuck there like, you know, yep. um, like any bad sci fi movie where somebody <laughs> takes you to a place where you you know, just have to realize you're there to get away from it. And, yeah. and instead, you just give over to, you know, the good, you know, the quote unquote good parts of what you're seeing. And yep. you're like, oh, I keep my weight down. It's fine. You know, and you can keep saying these are long long term like i can stop it whenever i want but yeah I'm, i guess yeah. the real problem is that a lot of people can't stop it because they're being pushed more um through the psychological impact of being concerned about how they feel or they have some actual you know issue totally where where they feel like they don't look the way they want to quote unquote but you know even if that's not true and if they're the only yeah. one seeing it um which yep. i guess makes it true for them um it's interesting I didn't know we, we I didn't really feel like we'd be talking about this. So, I'm yeah. still wrapping my head around it a little bit, but um I, it's I, I'm thinking now, this is going to sound terrible, but I knew a kid in high school who was really heavy and he tried and couldn't do anything about it. And you know, he eventually it was keeping in mind it was the end of the 80s, he he decided that cocaine was the way to lose weight. Mm. And it worked. He was real yeah. skinny by the time yeah. he was done, but his life for the next 15 years was a disaster. Yeah. And thinking of that group of people now, and there's no way any of them are going to listen to this podcast. So I feel <laughs> like I'm good here. They're all a different mess in some way or another. And one of them's dead. Yeah. And, and had a terrible heart attack when, you know, in early forties, mid forties. and, if I could describe that his life was exactly how you might imagine somebody who's, you know, recreationally and and consistently using cocaine through their twenties and thirties and pulls himself together in his late thirties, goes to school, becomes an attorney, is practicing, meets a woman, has a baby and drops dead. Jeez. And so I wonder if when he was 20, if somebody would have said to him, Hey, listen, man, when you're 43, you're going to die with a newborn. Like, you know, you're going to go through all this and I wonder how that would have impacted his first decision. And I, and I don't, you know, obviously yours didn't go on very, how long did you do this for?
1: Um, probably I would say I got insulin and eating under control within six months. Okay.
0: Yeah, so you're not gonna have, I mean, likely have any long term complications yeah. from it. But but what if you would have got stuck in it? And yeah, and many people do, right? So yep. Okay. Um so you you get that you put that poop back in a to a group and a group. Yep. your poop gets scattered a lot. It does. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you just gotta run around and like just push it all back together again yep. and, 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 and head off again. That's, that's, yeah. uh, let's find out where else you get scattered. Let's keep <laughs> moving forward. Uh, when do you meet that lovely
1: girl who you jammed into a closet? <laughs> <laughs> um, so she was actually a student of my mom's um, at the university. So mm-hmm. she was a social work major. My mom's teaching social work at the time. And we ran into each other a lot just like around basically my mom's office slash the social work department. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were, you know, chat and friendly. um, And that went on for like two years. And then uh, a couple weeks before we both graduated, um, actually sent her a friend request on Facebook and said we should hang out. Um, And literally the next day we got coffee. And I think we hung out every day for like the next couple months wow um and then proposed like six months later and got married a couple months after that and been together for five years now married for over five years wow
0: when do you propose when you realize you can't believe she's still with you yeah yeah 100%. Yep. <laughs> it's like wow this girl's not <laughs> figuring it out <laughs> gotta lock it down yeah why does she not look at me and go what am i doing here She's gonna figure it out eventually. I gotta do something.
1: I I thought she would, but
0: <laughs> well, I mean, she's the kind of girl who will accept a closet as an office, so she's just amenable <laughs> to all kinds of things. You know, she is. <laughs> yep.
1: No, she's great. It's
0: funny. That's great. Good for you. Um, I I don't want to jump around too much, but have you gotten an answer? I'm looking at your notes still. Your daughter had your
1: which daughter? The three year old. So uh, yeah, my three year old. Um, yeah. So this is kind of the ongoing story of our life. Um, In January 2019, so last January, um, I was at work one day and got a call from my wife during a meeting. Um, Thought it was weird, but I just ignored it. And then I texted her and she was like, no, something's wrong. Like, call me. Um, From what I can tell, my daughter, Berkeley, had a hypoglycemic seizure um and my wife was there she called 911 um and then called me i started driving home uh paramedics came paramedics did not check her blood sugar which i find weird um took her vitals and said she was fine and left um i got home probably about 20 minutes later uh Berkeley like ran to me when I came in the door and she just looked off. Mm -hmm. Um, And had I not been type one, obviously I wouldn't have thought anything like we would have just taken her to the ER, but she looked, she looked like she was low. Um, So I checked her blood sugar and it was 41. Huh? And we started uh, giving her honey, Um, checked her blood sugar again, probably about 10 minutes later and it was 37. So we called nine one one again. Uh, paramedics came. Uh, long story short, we ended up in the ER. Uh, she, so my daughter had basically was not able to like move the left side of her body, and we think probably part of the seizure. Um, did all the scans. We were in the ER for a couple hours. Did a bunch of scans. Ran a bunch of tests. Um, everything came back normal sent us to the children's hospital here. Um, we were there for two nights, I think two or three nights Mm -hmm. and basically just ran a bunch of tests. Everything came back normal. Um, has it happened again since then? Uh, so when we left the hospital, they basically said like, we don't know what's going on. Um, so my wife and I, again, uh, kind of luck of the draw that I'm type one diabetic. Um, I know about, you know, counting carbs and like different food groups and like what, like I'm more aware of food, I would say than the normal person. Yeah. Um. So we were checking Berkeley's blood sugar. I mean, we, we kept a little log and it was ridiculous. I think we checked her 30 times a day, at least Um, I was waking up every two hours in the night to check her blood sugar um
0: were just you, because we didn't
1: we didn't know what was going on. Were you in a panic she was just going to die? Is that, yeah, 100%, that where the pressure comes from? Okay. 100%. Um and you know again it's like when my wife calls me and says Burke was having a seizure this didn't obviously never happened before. Yeah. So it came out of the blue hit like a ton of bricks. Um and we did everything we could to like make sure that didn't happen again. Yeah. Um pretty quickly we realized that uh, it seemed like Dairy made her blood sugar go down, um, so we would, if she had yogurt or milk, um, her blood sugar would start to dip, and we'd have to correct. Um, so we basically have been avoiding dairy, milk. Um, is that working? It is. Have you gotten any kind of an answer about why that may no. be? No, nope. And we've had. So, she's had genetic tests done. Um, every, Like, literally every test has come back normal. Hmm. So, she's been checked for, uh, like, pre-markers for diabetes. Um, just everything seems to be normal that we've tested for. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's incredibly odd. I hope you find an answer to that and share it with me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. No, me. Yeah. That's fascinating. And I know a bit about, like, seeing stuff like that and just being perplexed by it i i i've mentioned on the show i think before but my body doesn't appear to hold on to ferritin so Mm. like you give me a cbc and my blood tests are all my values are perfect i look fine like you know except my ferritin is 13 interesting and hold on a second i'm sorry um and then I go get an infusion and it goes back up again. And these symptoms that I have, which are really weird, like I think it's called paresthesia, but I get like a little electrical feeling on the right side of my skull. like, it, 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 And if that's not painful or anything like that, it just get like, it feels like somebody like touches a, a nine volt battery to my tongue, but on the side huh. of my head for a split second. When I feel that, I start thinking, oh, okay, my ferritin must be starting to go down. Then my muscle tone goes away. Like I've changed nothing else about my life, but however, and please don't get me wrong—I'm not lifting weights or anything like that. But <laughs> but my normal muscle tone begins to lessen; it gets a little jelly-ish, huh. um, and then I start having weird reactions to things. Um, and so, what I would say to that is, like you—you know—you in a, you might just say I'm overreacting. Like if you you think of someone who's overreacting, but sure. there's a fogginess that comes around it. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of something happens. And as I'm responding to it, it's usually like a a more tense thing, right? Or I don't know, you'll say something to me and where I would not normally be flippant or dismissive, like I just sort of am. And then if if it goes into a conversation, the words coming out of my mouth don't match how I feel or what I'm thinking. It's, Mm. it's, and I'm not, it's not disassociated or anything like that. You understand what I mean, but it's just, it's, I have a hard time not saying, I guess the worst of all the options of what to say. Sure. Right. Get the ferritin. It all just goes away. Interesting. And so my son's home from school gets his, um, you know, his well visit and, you know, the girls have hypothyroidism and, you know, with diabetes and everything. So I I just say to the doctor, uh, um, can I get a baseline on Cole when you do his blood tests? He's like, yeah, sure, absolutely. So, you know, everything's fine. His thyroid levels. I mean, you should see the kid. Like, seriously, looks like an underwear model he can run forever. You know what I mean? Like there's there's nothing about his life that would make you think something's wrong with him. Yeah. Physically. And uh Adam called and we talked about it. Hold on one second. I cannot get my throat clear. <clears throat> <clears throat> it's probably corona. Just stuck right there in the back. <clears throat> Sorry, um, you know, if I end up with Corona, people are going to be like, "He shouldn't have joked about that." S- seriously, uh, my joking is not going to stop me from getting sick or getting sick. Uh, but, but so I hear back. Cole's blood tests are amazing. He's like, they're better than amazing. He's like, his CBC is absolutely. It's just it's like everybody wants this CBC. His cholesterol, mm-hmm. his thyroid levels are fine. Everything's yeah. good. His A one C was five. You know, blah 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 blah. Um, his ferritin's twenty. Hmm. it's incredibly low. And I'm like, oh my god, we there's some genetic thing, but he doesn't yeah. have any symptoms of it. So I I don't know, like it's just a strange thing when something like that happens to you that that then doctors go, well, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it if it's not causing a problem. Yeah. That's a weird answer to get, you know? Yeah. No, it really is. So, and is that the answer you got like don't give her milk and go live your life, but how do you do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the answer that, um, so, I mean, like, we've traveled, like, we've gone down to Salt Lake, um, we've seen a couple doctors up here, um, everybody gives the same answer, of like, everything looks good, maybe she'll grow out of it. Right. Um, and so it's been 18 months now, um, and still, you know, she, the other day, had a, not low, but, you know, in the 60s, uh, and acting symptomatic. Um. So like, still happening, not outgrowing it. It doesn't really give us as parents any peace of mind to There's be no like, comfort with that, yeah, yeah. Like, outgrow it when, um, <laughs> yeah, you know. And that's not an answer. <laughs> no, it's yeah. It's like, what what are we supposed to do when we send her to kindergarten? Like, just like, how do we deal with this throughout her life, where it's always been or it's always going to be like, maybe, maybe not. Maybe today she'll outgrow it. Maybe not. Um, I wonder if her doctor couldn't prescribe a Dexcom pro study for her. And that's so we actually have a appointment with her endo next week. Um, And that's kind of what I'm trying to push for is just give us a Dexcom for her. Yeah. So we can see. Um, Because, again, it's like she's three years old. She takes a nap during the day. Sometimes she'll wake up and like be low when she wakes up. And it's nice to know. Um, well, you might be able to find a pattern,
0: is... more of a pattern, too. Yeah. And maybe finding the pattern would point to something. I, I, would, I yeah. do wish you luck. I'm sorry we got sidetracked on that, but that's really.
1: No, 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 you're fine. It's super interesting. Um, yeah, it's definitely kind of the case of our family of everybody's trying to figure out what's going on with poor Burke. Um, yeah. Well, by
0: the way, this poop in a group thing might get sent away because you're a bit of a hypocrite because you mocked your mother in the beginning. <laughs> For being from Berkeley and calling you Galen, and then you named your baby Berkeley. So yep. I no, mean it's, it's true. Galen's a hypocrite, well, he's now second on
1: my list right here. <laughs> that's fine. We actually her name's actually Berkeley Rose. Um, and there's a Berkeley Rose garden. So that's you lovely. Know, yeah. That's no,
0: it's very nice. I'm just kidding. It's a wonderful name. No, no, no.
1: It's a lovely name, it really is. It, it uh, is, but it's definitely for Berkeley, the city that, you know, was born in and family grew up in. So. how is the one-year-old Saskatchewan? Is she okay? Things are good. Uh, a one-year-old is actually lincoln um and nebraska yeah it, it not nebraska it just honestly i don't know um <laughs> we just like the name lincoln so we ended up going with lincoln i'm not i'm not i'm not breaking your balls over it i think it's fine <laughs> <laughs> it's, do, you, do you like call
0: link is that a is that a yeah that's yep. nice i like that yeah Um, plus you're not matching anything with your last name, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Hey, listen, this is the point in the podcast where I tell you, I don't care and it means nothing to me, but because of the podcast history, I'm remiss. You've mentioned youth hall a number of times. Any chance you're Mormon?
1: Uh, no, I was raised LDS, but I am not, I would say I am far removed from the church. Ah, gotcha. But you were there at one point. I was there at one point up until I
0: was 18. All right. I'm counting you on the tally, just so you know. (laughs) And at some point one day, I'm getting an answer. I really (laughs) am. Because this podcast is listened to everywhere, really everywhere. Um, And I mean, I got to be up to 10 by now, right? Like, I'm getting close. Like, there's, I don't know. Something's going on. That's weird. I need a study of diabetes in Utah. That's what I need. Seriously, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, you know, with all this that's sort of happened to you and, and you know, currently with your daughter and and previously with yourself, you mentioned that, you know, when we were talking, you know, through email, you mentioned that you really feel like attitude has a a lot to do with diabetes. And I was wondering how that manifested for you and, and how you put it into practice.
1: Yeah. So, um you know, when I was going through, when I first moved to Montana, I was kind of going through the struggle there. Um, once I started getting into school, I got a job, uh, was kind of forced to start taking care of myself again to basically feel normal. So when your blood sugars are on 250, you're just not feeling great. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of realizing that I feel so much better when my blood sugar is controlled. Um, <clears throat> and being able to, to know that there's a benefit in taking care of yourself. Um, And I think I mentioned this in the email, but uh, I graduated with my undergrad and then moved into law school. Um, I got engaged my first semester of law school, got married uh, my second semester of law school. And then we had Berkeley my last year of law school. So law school is kind of a whirlwind. And I think that's where I kind of um, really buckled down on on knowing that, that you have to put limits on everything. Um, and what I mean by that is law school takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also newly engaged, newly married, uh, had a new kid. So I got in a very good habit of really looking at law school like a job. And, um, you know, from nine to five, I was, I was working at law school and then i would come home and hang out with my wife um and you know do that basically every day and you can't do those things
0: when your blood sugar's high and you can't you, focus and all the other problems that it comes, that comes exactly
1: with it. yep you really have to you have to change the my mom's favorite saying is like change the channel so you have to like change the channel of your mind of like um like diabetes sucks like there's no if ands or buts about that mm-hmm. but there's no like denying it doesn't do anything to help you. Right. And I think that's kind of what I really came to. Um, it's like, I cannot take insulin and I can feel horrible or I can just it. I can just suck it up and be like, this is the hand I was dealt. Um, it sucks. And again, I've said this a few times now, but like, I'm lucky. Like I have never had gaps in my insurance. Um, I've always been able to get insulin. Like I've never felt, like I was rationing insulin. Mm -hmm. Um, like you said, I had a great support system. Um, my wife has been amazingly supportive. Um, like as, as horrible as diabetes is, I'm a lucky one. And just kind of realizing that, um, it's, it's the hand you're dealt and you just got to do what you, like the best you can. So there's nothing to point to.
0: Then you can't say that you had an epiphany or you employed a certain thing. I think that's important for people to know. Like you recognized it, and then you just consciously said, "I have to change this." Yeah, right. It's yeah. not. It, there's no. There, there's not a book to read or uh, you know a, a seminar to go to or something like that. You just you you have to be an adult and look and say, you know, the alternative is not good there is going to be long-term consequences if I keep going like this and short term, I'm cheating myself out of the things
1: I'm trying to do. Totally. Right. So, but, and I think, I think there's a, there's a power that comes from recognizing it yourself versus, you know, like reading a book and changing your behavior because of a book. mm -hmm. Um, I think that's fleeting. I think it's, you know, you can watch a inspirational talk and, you know, want to change your life, but until you like internalize it until it's like coming from, you yeah it doesn't stick um and obviously you know i've gone through ups and downs where i've taken better care of myself and not so great care of myself um but at the end of the day it's like these little periods of of burnout um they don't last long because i know you know like especially now having kids it's like i have to take care of my better care of myself um and then just knowing like you feel so much better when you're in control and the time it takes to be in control is worth worth taking that time so i'm not sitting there worrying about you know what my blood sugar is doing well i think that you by
0: talking about it like this i think that's as helpful as anything because you're you're a person that did it like it's easy to like it's easy to say You know, oh, I read a book. This guy has all these ideas, or there's quotes or inspiration. That's bold. That's not somebody that did it. That's somebody who's saying it. Like you did it, and and just because you can't exactly quantify how you did it, doesn't mean that that's that's not inspirational. You know, I mean, just the idea that it can be done. I think is is really more important than anything else. And I I have to tell you that while I don't have type one, obviously, um, the idea of burnout seems reductive to me. Like, it seems like an oversimplification of something. And I don't know what it is, but I keep hoping that through these conversations, we're going to find out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I don't have, again, I don't have to take insulin, right? I don't have that pressure, that stress in my life. But my life has not been particularly terrific along the way, you know, at, at every step. And there's something about that persistence that. I know I have that persistence, like I don't give up yeah. and, and I don't know why that is. And I mean like emotionally, physically, if things don't look good, I am an internally hopeful person. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know why, but if that's not your case, if you're more pessimistic and it's funny, I'm incredibly pessimistic about <laughs> most things, but not the big things. Sure. It, it's, it's strange. Like on, on, on a low level, like, you know, I see something happen. I'm like, oh, this is going to go to hell. You, you know, yeah. like, like, I don't see any way this I don't see any way this is going to work out, but, but I think overall it can work out. Yeah. And so the moment might be bad, but I don't think that the journey is a failure. Sure. Um, and I don't know how to tell you that either. Like, I don't know yeah. why I have felt like that most of my life, other than to say that, you know. Knowing you're adopted early on is, it's a little rough to hear like somebody had you and went, eh, whatever, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's hard. But then you meet a family who cares about you and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. well, that's good. And then that family gets divorced and you're like, oh, well, that's bad. Yeah. You, you know, like, and then, and, and it's just, you know, and then, and then I didn't really have like stick-to-itiveness in, in school. So I had no prospects like yeah. coming out of high school, but, and I took a job that was terrible. I worked in a sheet metal shop for like six years and every day I was there, I was being paid nothing. I was killing myself physically and the, it, it did not seem to be a pathway to anything except showing back up the next day and doing it again. And, and it was horrible because I felt like a, uh, I felt like a, like I wanted to write a book. I felt like I had all these ideas of things I wanted to do. I'd sit around uh-huh. with guys. They were all lovely. I want to say seriously, that a lot of my life lessons came from those men that I worked with. They all had something about them. Because you don't have a father, there's no way to know how to be, if that makes sense. So what I would do is I would look at the people around me, and I would pick out what I thought were just their best traits, and I'd pay attention to them. There was one gentleman who was just incredibly honest. And there was a guy there who worked really hard. And there was a guy there who had an incredible sense of humor, like I did. And he wasn't afraid for people to see it. Mm. And, you know, and like they all had these different kind of bits about them. So being there was an incredible part of my life, like to see all of that. And I would just sort of like, I used to joke that like being adopted is great because you, it's not even a joke, like because you get to decide (laughs) who you are. No one really tells you who you are, you know? Yeah. And so you get to look and you go, you know, this guy over here, He's an earnest son of a bitch. I like yeah. how earnest he is. Yep. Maybe that's a good thing. I- instead of watching your parents and just soaking up whatever it is they put out into the world. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but, and so maybe that built into it. And that's a long way of saying that not everybody gets to have that experience. So yeah. when some other person has, you know, oh, my parents got divorced. They don't go, I bet you we can get through this. Some of them just go, well, that's the end. It, yeah. you, you know, and then that it, it blankets them for a long time. So I don't know the difference between someone like you and someone who still has that is living with that eating disorder that, nev- yeah, that never breaks free of it or who doesn't realize I can't do this with my blood sugar because I'm trying to have a family and I love these people and I want to be yep. an attorney. By the way, how the hell did you go from being an attorney to marketing?
1: Uh, I got like halfway through law school and realized I didn't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> um, but at that point, you can't drop out of law school when you're halfway through. So I just stuck it out and uh, actually got an MBA while I was finishing law school and yeah, moved into marketing. There you go. So you, yeah. so you just never, you never took the bar. Is that how that works? Nope, never took the bar. But graduate had, law school, just yeah. You're just like, whatever. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's a good fallback option. Like in five years, if I'm like, oh yeah, I, I want to be a lawyer now. Yeah. I, I'm one step closer, I guess. But I hear that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I understand. I just told that. I just told a story on the podcast recently. of I had a counselor in school who was like, I think you'd be a great attorney. And I was like, oh, then I'd be an attorney. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, eh, I like my wife and I like my kids. I, I want to hang out with them. So,
0: yeah. I just couldn't imagine doing it every day. Like, I love the talking and the rationalizing and the arguing, yeah. but the writing wouldn't be for me. Like, I that would throw me off, I think.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I want to actually touch on something that you were just saying, getting back to, being able to like pick and choose you were saying when um, yeah. people around you. And I think one thing that um, like helped me through law school is I'm just, I'm very logical. I'm very black and white. Uh, I don't swing high or swing low usually. Um, and so knowing that about myself and being able to look at um, having type one and dealing with this for 15 years, there's just been so many points in my life where I'm able to see like, it sucks to have type one. Like I've said, everybody knows that. Yeah. But um, I think when you get past that hump of like this sucks um, and you can start looking at when possible at points in your life where it's like, okay, it sucks to have type one. But when I was diagnosed, I was in the children's hospital and there were kids, you know, one, two years old that were having to get their fingers poked. And I know this now having to do it to my daughter, but it's like, they don't understand what's going on. They're just getting poked by their parents, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I was old enough to at least know what was going on. So even though it sucked, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Your context was available at least. Yeah. Yeah. And going throughout my life and seeing that, um, it's, it's giving me an outlook of, oh man, like, I'm so lucky that. I was raised in a house where I was able to have a support system where I had insurance, you know, where I had the financial ability, like pay for these things. Um, even now it's like, I'm lucky enough to have a, have a great job, um, to be able to get supplies and everything to keep me healthy. Um, it changes your outlook. So it's like, as, as shitty as diabetes is, um, when you're able to take a step back and, Kind of change your channel and adjust your view. Um, It it, for me at least, it's made me a lot more compassionate. It's given me a lot of um, just ability to see that like people aren't as lucky as I am, and what can we be doing to basically help those people that you know can't afford insulin or aren't able to get their insulin or you know can't afford their supplies. Did did other
0: people's situations that were worse off than yours give you the feeling like you can't waste the opportunity that you have to do better with the tools you have? Did you have that
1: thought? Not just with diabetes. I would say almost not necessarily with diabetes. Um, It's just kind of, you know, hippie parents, social work mother. Um, It's that. uh, It's been instilled in me for a long time. Uh, Gail and there are starving kids somewhere. Eat your beans. That's, like pretty yeah, much. Right. I mean, it's basically like you're given this opportunity. You were like, I wrote my law school like application essay. I'm basically like, I'm an upper middle-class white male. Like I'm starting like a step away from the finish line. Mm-hmm. And it would be a disservice to me and everybody else. If I didn't try and do yeah. as much as I can. Right. Don't So just half-ass your way through everything. Exactly. You'd be like, I did so, it.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> diabetes, I would say gives, all of that an extra layer of like you know people starting off like there's there are still things that people deal with um so like how can we just like what can i be doing to help people along mm-hmm. Not here. well
0: that's it's a good message man it really is um wow that was a lot i didn't expect all that good for you nice <laughs> well done Thanks for having a great microphone, too. Actually, Uh, your microphone's so great that at times when you're quiet, I feel like I can hear a one-year-old and a three-year-old trying to kill each other. Is that Yeah, you probably could. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the one-year-old was yelling, your blood sugar's low. Get away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't pass out on me. I see how this goes. Yeah. My gosh. Uh, That's uh, why I'm in the closet. (laughs) Are you in the closet office right now? Yep. Yep. Well, things have fallen apart, haven't they? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I don't know when we're going back to work. I'm starting to think like it's not going to happen this year. Just, you know, I'm feeling
1: the same way. Yeah.
0: I don't know if I, I I don't know if this will come out months from now. And and I'll think, I'll listen and think, wow, I was right or I was, I hope I was wrong. But yeah, um, I just saw some things recently that made me feel like there's no way this is going to go away uh, right now. There's just people have gone back out and, there's just, I don't know, like if, if being distant and covering your faces is, is truly important, then what I saw, uh, is troubling. So, yeah. so we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. but I don't know. It's just, it, it seems, it seems to me like I'm not as hopeful as I was, uh, maybe four weeks ago, four weeks ago, I was like, this is turning. I can see it turning. And yeah. now I'm like, oh well, maybe not. Uh, I guess we all yeah. had to get back to five below very important get cozy. Yeah. We needed a yeah. squishy ball and now everybody's going to get sick again. Um, anyway, just, you know, I, anyway, fingers crossed and hopefully I'll go back and listen to this and be like, ah, it was really wrong. And our lives yeah. are all normal.
1: A couple dude. weeks. No, yeah,
0: yeah. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see. I'm again, not hopeful. Uh, thank you very much for doing this. Um, isn't it funny? I just did exactly what I said I was going to do in the short term. I'm not hopeful in the long term. I'm very hopeful. <laughs> i'm like this is a disaster but it'll be okay eventually eventually (laughs) fingers crossed would you hang out for a second i just want to say goodbye to you like a real person of course thanks thanks for
1: doing this yeah thank you for having me
0: a huge thank you to one of today's sponsors gvoke glucagon Find out more about G-Voke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N dot com forward slash juicebox. Hey, really consider going to T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox and adding your voice. And of course, thanks so much to the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter for being a longtime sponsor. Check them out at contournext.com forward slash
1: juice box.